0: of the Joygasm Effect and today chatting with me is Katrina Burgoyne, an Australian singer, so, country singer-songwriter. Hi, Katrina. Hi, how, you how
1: are you doing, Kerry? Thanks for having me.
0: No, thank you for joining me. And just for those of you that do know Katrina or, or are just getting to know her, Katrina is um, an Australian top 10 Australian country aria Album Singer-Songwriter, you have ASA Country Song of the Year and two Golden Guitar nominations, which are all huge achievements. So congratulations on those, Katrina.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much.
0: And you have recently um, made the big move to Nashville and um, to Live the Dream so just tell us, how's that going a little bit for you? Uh,
1: um, yeah, you know, this is my fifth week here in Nashville and things are doing okay. I'm making budget and I'm bringing in an income in, which is good, which I was really, really scared of. Um, it's been a bit of an emotional cocktail for me, Um um i i fell in love in australia so i've sort of i've had to leave that and follow this path um and so it's it's been a few ups and a few downs but um i feel like my spirit is so happy and alive just to be here and surrounded by uh, the, the inspiration seeps out of the cracks in the in the pavement so um you know i'm feeling i feel like this is where I need to be so yeah
0: And that's one thing about spirit, isn't it? It's not often very convenient. It's a bit of a delay. Sorry. sorry. Pardon? I was just saying that um, one thing about spirit is not often very convenient. Yeah, I I
1: know.
0: Yeah. So and whether you're spiritually conscious or not, you know, making the transition to move to another country is a big transition in itself, isn't
1: it? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I just keep thinking that. Um, I just keep saying I must have chosen a path to have so many challenges to go through because it's it's almost like with every win comes a a loss as well. And um, but you know, it's okay. I, I kind of feel like I for some reason that I. I keep – I'm a fighter, so I just keep coming through and it's like these emotional times, these harder times or whatever I wear, like a badge of honor. And I look back and I just go, man, I'm so much stronger because of that. And it's just like I've chosen to have things that strengthen me all the time. I feel like I always choose that route. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> and I hear you because I think that sounds just like me. I can hear that as well. And I do think it's part of being – conscious and aware so um so just before we so just take us back a little bit Katrina just talk to us a little bit of how you discovered your spirituality
1: um I actually now believe that I come from some form of a gypsy line or something like that in my family um for me to talk um you know things that are a bit alternate around my family isn't isn't abstract at all my auntie used to dream the Melbourne Cup winner every year um, and just weird things like that. I remember I was about 15 years old and I was always drawn to the tarot and so I I used to go, I went down and I bought my first set of tarot cards um, but I never knew how to read them or anything like that and I always found it a real struggle to get into reading these cards. I didn't I couldn't feel them and I think for me being such a passionate being I need to feel it and I, I know now that that is the way that I communicate I'm a feeler and that's how I and now I also have a bit of a vision too that's coming as well but um so I kind of kept throwing I kept buying tarot cards and throwing them out like as i move house I go I don't know what I want these for but I kept on getting drawn to the tarot and my mum and I walked past the store one day and mum said I might get some tarot cards and I was about eighteen at the time, and my mum put these cards out, and she—it was really bizarre. It was like a key just unlocked a door to this other world, and all this information just started flooding to her. And she looked up at me after the reading, and she said, "I don't know how I got that information," and so um, I—and that really kind of fascinated me more. Um, but. And my mum has always been had experiences where she was visited by, she, she has a site, so she saw a lot of things and, um, you know, she's had two best friends pass away in her life and both of them have come to visit her after they've passed on. And um, my song Ghost was um, written after an experience. Um, I'm not sure how this works because they say that you should be really heightened when you're younger. Um, but it was almost like I had this time period of, of school where I didn't experience anything. But by the time I was 18, 19, I started to discover other things. And I remember, I remember the first experience I ever really had was laying in bed one day. And I woke up and my bedroom was, uh, it was my partner at the time. We actually lived in his father's old music room and his father had since passed on. And I woke up to hearing someone with their feet walking along the tiles and moving a chair and sitting down on the chair. And I woke up in the middle of the night and I go, oh, Les, you're here. And it was really bizarre because I didn't feel unsafe. It was just like, oh, Les, you're here. And then um, I think at that time I have always, I think it's the way that I was programmed or I, I'm not sure Um I had a lot of negative thought patterns going on in my mind at the time, and I think once I opened that other realm, I invited everything in from the good to the bad, yep. and there were times where I wouldn't sleep. I didn't sleep for two weeks at one point because I felt something watch me the whole time i It, it wasn't harmful, it was just uneasy, and it was scared me and I've had some moments like Michael's dad, who was Les, who who I first met, he walked across the floor. He used to visit me every day on his birthday. Every time it was his birthday, he'd visit me for about three or four years. Um, and so, um, but I started to get these scary experiences for me where I was really afraid to go to sleep at night and I knew I could feel it I it could start, because I was feeling it but I couldn't decipher what it meant or because yep. I hadn't educated myself at that point. So I started writing a song called Ghost. Um, and funny enough, as it would be, would happen that I um I come over to Nashville in two thousand and nine and I stayed at a place called the scarrett Bennett Center, which was actually known to be haunted and they run like they run like um tours like ghost tours cool. and stuff. Cool. Anyway, so it was the last night in Nashville and I had just finished the song Ghost, like completely finished it that day. So I, I just, I had it written, but I just wanted to, there was more things I wanted to add to it and stuff. And I finished the completed song that day. And as I'm walking into, I went out one night, it was maybe midnight, and I'm walking into, I'm walking into my room at the Scarrett Bennett Centre, and I hear this bang, bang, bang. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like a homeless person is trying to break into this building. And I looked, peeked around the corner, there was no one there. I'm like, oh, there's no one there, I'm fine. And so I go to open up, it was a corridor, it was a it was a building that was, the building was here, but across across from that, there was another building, okay? And as I'm opening up these doors, they were like doors, like dungeon doors, like you had to get your whole body in to push them open. And all of a sudden, I turn and look at the other building and there's this door, the same door as what I've just tried to use my whole body to push, Slams open on me and then closes and then slams open again and I knew that there was something. It it was just like it wasn't windy. There was an there was no other explanation as to why that had happened and I just ran inside because it was it was claimed to be haunted and so um but yeah so that's what Ghost is about for me um I guess I started writing that so I finished that song when I was twenty one. And that was when I really started to become aware of of you know, I guess my sense my own senses were heightening to evolve into something bigger. So I just couldn't understand the difference between dark and light at that time and I tended to just attract a lot of darkness.
0: Yeah, and that's I, I know in my experience as a um, mediumship coach, what I've done over the years. Um, we come to our spirituality. It's very common to come to our spirituality through that kind of similar experience. And um, yeah. and and you're right. Like I hear you taking responsibility for those connections with your negative self talk and because all energy, as you know, Katrina, is like attracts like. You know. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So um. Yeah. So yeah, I remember watching your um. Your video on Country Music Channel Ghost, and um, and I was like intrigued by it. Certainly, you know, I was yeah. intrigued, and I sort of like. And then I think I heard a very brief part interview that you did that you said it was inspired by some experiences, and you know, so that always intrigues me in some way. Um, but yeah. you know, and and because for me that those kind of experiences are exciting, Absolutely. you know. <laughs> so um so thanks thanks for sharing that yeah well I
1: was like you know that's okay as a little girl I remember talking about I was always fascinated with that I wouldn't play with Ouija boards because I just had a feeling like a gut feeling that don't play with Ouija boards but I um always had a fascination with it and I always think like you know I remember I was and I think that kind of comes with everything it's like you know like it's like someone's hinting to you all the time That listen up about this. You know what I mean. You yeah. you can get you get little hints all the time. And I remember, for example, I was like three. I remember I was sitting in a high seat, still in the car, and I remember asking my father. I said, "Dad, if there's only a certain amount of notes on a piano, how we we're going to run out of songs one day? Like we won't have enough notes to make enough songs." And so looking back now, like for my music, for example, that that i was being hinted i was like a hint i was kind of these ideas were popping in my head about a path and i think you know for me to be always fascinated with the tarot or um which i've actually since gone on to learn the tarot which i can talk about that later but um you know things those little hints like if you listen to them i really believe it's it is guiding you and it's you know it's just a matter of deciphering, um, Deciphering who's telling you these messages and if, it, if it's you know so um yeah, it's so interesting how it all works
0: yeah so totally so tell us a little bit about how the transition from um having those paranormal experiences to then coming into okay there's a greater awareness here and there is something that's guiding me and more coming into more soul awareness tell us a little bit yeah. about that transition in your life
1: Okay, so I um it was in 2011 and I, you know, as I said, I did have a lot of negative thought patterns for a long time and I think, you know, to be honest, like with the, with the mental health um, at the moment, like there's one in three people who suffer from mental health. I actually, I think it's maybe a condition. We're all conditioned to think negative thoughts and that's just how we are and um, the rare people that can be positive from birth is awesome. But, um, you know, I got into a bit of a a negative rut for a long time and I used to go to psychics. I remember it was July 2011. I was engaged at the time um, with a partner that I had been with for six years. He was my best mate. He was my family and I never, ever imagined living life without him. And I sat down, I was broken. I was really broken at the time. I struggled with depression. Um, at, I'd just been diagnosed with depression. And they do say that uh, depression is when you have cut yourself up, off from the spirit.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, and normally when people get to the point of depression, they that can trigger an enlightenment. So I went to a psychic and this woman, she was like Russian or something like that. And she smacked a hand on the table and she says, he's not right for you. And I said, what do you mean he's not right for me? I'm engaged to him. Like we're getting married next year. And he says, no, 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 no. You're not getting married next year. I'll stop talking in the accent so you can understand. <laughs> me. She said, you're not getting married next year. Next year he's going to be over the other side of the world and you're going to be here in Australia. And you're still, it's weird, but I don't think you're together. You're together, but you're not together. And I said, we're engaged, like I think you're wrong. Anyway, so what eventually happened is, is that um, I I ended up going to, a little bit after that, I kind of thought, stuff this, I'm gonna go and learn how to read the tarot. So I went to a place called the Agile Oracle in Sydney. Yep. Um, you would probably know that place. Um, and I went to the Agile Oracle and I started getting tarot lessons to, to learn tarot. I did a course there. And the first lesson that I ever did, um, for some reason, um, this card came out, and I just got all this information. It was the weirdest thing. It was like I knew all about my teacher's relationship and everything like that. And it's like you could—it was very weird. I didn't know how to explain it. Anyway, so then I thought, wow, this is interesting. And I finished my course. And I started reading for people. And it used to be like a party trick. So I'd go out and hang with my friends and I'd read for them and, and, and whatever. It'd be really fun. But um, I'd say 2012 and 2013 were the years from hell. And um, my depression really decreased. I got really, really sick. Um, and basically throughout that time, I just I lost all faith in myself, let alone anything else that was out there um, I sort of I gave up on music I sort of lost my voice um, and I lost I lost my sense of self I guess and I come across a book um, you know and I actually even stopped reading I stopped doing tarot and stuff like that I had so many profound readings that, that I was like you cannot deny that there's something bigger than us out there because of this, this skill that I'd learned, but then I I went and I picked up a book called You Can Heal Your Life by Louise Erdrich. Yep. Yep. And and that changed my life. And so the moment it was like I was I was at the point where I was I was starting to think about the ways that I would end my life. And it was that point where it was like you get better or you give up. And so I. Found this book and I just changed my life. It was like, it was, it it wasn't even like the only way I can describe it, it. It's almost like remembering again, remembering. It was almost like, it was almost like just being reminded of, of my soul and reminded of, I don't know because it was it was in a space of. Um, so I I read that book in November two thousand and thirteen, and. So then, by 2014 in May, I ended up going on a TV show called The Bachelor, which was the stupidest thing I could have potentially ever done because here I am. I was mentally ill on medication and going on national television. So it could have been, it could have potentially been the most terrifying thing I ever did uh, and most humiliating thing I ever did. And I could have walked off that show um, with so much. Self, a lack of self-worth, but it was the best thing I ever did. It was the most, like, my my journey on that show wasn't about becoming a socialite and it wasn't about being on TV. Um, I went into lockdown, so I had four days with no contact with anyone, no telephone, no TV, anything that we had, we had to create. So I would draw. I, would, I had an audio books that I'd listen to. Um, and I was obsessive with um, uh, spirituality. I've read. A, I think I've had. A, I have 111 audio books that I've read over the last few years. Yep. Um, and I started journaling. And I, but I started journaling, and I got this message from my grandmother, who's passed on. My grandmother is so with me all the time. And it said that she said that if I can make it through this, when I get off. I'm okay to come off medication. I won't ever have to go on it again. So I thought, okay, and I kept, you know, I kept writing in this journal, and it was like I wasn't even talking to myself. It was like I was talking to my soul, really. That it yeah, was like yeah. I was talking to someone deeper than me. And I started journaling, and this was my, this was my key to me. It was, yeah. And know, anyway, and I took my tarot cards in, which I hadn't read for oh, probably 18 months by that point, I took them in and I read all the girls. Um, now, uh, that was the year that Sam Frost was proposed to and then dumped. I, yep. Uh, so that was a big scandal and I read every single girl in that house or majority of the girls in that house. And the only one that I've had a profound reading, it's the most profound reading I've ever had was when I read Sam Frost and, um, you know, I actually had her stepfather come through and take over my body and it was the weirdest thing. And, I've, and I'm a sceptic too. I've been a sceptic for the longest time. Um, I could draw her house plan afterwards. It was just, you know, it was I saw things and it was the most profound reading I've ever done. And I look at all now and I just go, well, that was because Sam needed that at the time because her world was about to explode, you know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I come out of that. I come out of that and I went into this deep, deep time of healing. And so I spent um, probably six months or probably three to to four months. I come off my medication. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. And I learned that, you know, those times where our emotions just overwhelm us and we just have to sit with them and not numb it. Um, and it was like I grieved the relationship, my engagement breakup for the first time after four years. Yep. And I sort of dealt with all this stuff that I never dealt with. And I like to call that now shedding layers. So you go through this release process and it's just like I had this deep sense of healing that I had to go through. And anyway, I got an email from someone in August and sorry, this is a very long story, yeah, but I no promise uh, I got an email from someone in August, um, a co-writer that I would written a song with in Nashville back in 2009, and he said, "Katrina, I just wanted to reach out to you and tell you that a song we wrote back in 2009 has just made just been cut on an album." And I said, "Really?" Um, and before that, like. 12 months before that, I thought I would love to go to Nashville and spend three months in Nashville and just figure out if I want to live there because I'd had i got to the point where my visa, with what I had achieved in Australia, I was eligible to potentially go over here and move here and, on an entertainment visa. And so that was always an option if I wanted to take it. And I got this email and I thought, man, I was feeling really lost and sort of directionless at the time. And it was almost like, I called my mum up straight away and I said, Mom, I have a feeling I'm going to move to Nashville in 2 years." And she goes, "Okay, all right." So then what happened was is I I didn't and you know, I didn't do anything. I just waited. I didn't I didn't make the step forward to make anything happen. I just waited, and that's really unlike me because I'm I'm an Aries, so I'm like I have to go, I'm a go-getter, you yeah. know, but I just waited. And so I got to a point where I walked past a travel agent in January on my way to yoga, and yoga actually really helped too. Yoga, um, yoga kept me really. I don't know. I just I don't know that I don't really. I'm not much of a sport person or a, you know athlete or whatever. But yoga had such a connection for me, and it did a lot of healing. Yoga was yes. very healing for me, but. I walked past a travel agent on my way to yoga and I said, How much for a trip? How much for a ticket to Nashville? And I actually said, How much for a ticket to LA? And they said, We could do one for you for $900, $999, whatever it was. Yeah. And um, I said, Okay, let me think about it. I called up my mom and normally my mom is my go to. Like, I, if I'm not worried, if I don't know about anything, I go to my mom and I said, What do you think about this? I went to my mom and I said, look, I have a lot of debt. I had multiple loans, a credit card maxed out. I had no money. I had $1,000 in my bank account. And I said, Mom, I have enough money to buy this ticket. Should I just do it and see what happens? And she said, do it. And so I did it. And um, I managed to save somehow enough money, only just I had to borrow a little bit from my mom at the end but I I spent three months in Nashville writing, and everything about that trip was so faded. It was, I remember driving along one day and I got a message saying, I need to write a duet. And I thought, a duet? Okay. So I'd sit down and write, I'd sit down in rooms and, and say, we need to write a duet today, guys. And we could never, ever make it happen. It would never work. And then I sat down and I got I had this song idea and I was really passionate about this idea for a song. Oh, this title, it's called it's, I Only Drink When I'm Broken is what that was. And it was about the time when I, was, when I had depression and I would come home from my counselling sessions and I'd sit on a beanbag in the dark until so my housemate would come home and find me in the dark drunk with a bottle of red wine. And i I'm such a believer that to drink when you're in an emotional state is not the best. You kind of just... Yeah. You're just deadening yourself from here. You've got to experience it so that way you can connect. But, um, so I had this line, I only drink when I'm broken. And I went in and took it into a write. We wrote the first verse in the chorus. And by that point, I'm thinking, I think this is a hit. Then my co writer says, I think this, we need to make this a duet. And I knew, right then, I knew, like in my gut. I don't know if it's a hit or not. You know, I actually, actually no. You know what? I actually do believe that I was given that. It was a gift, and I was, I feel like it's a hit. Like I really feel like it's a hit. And um, I feel like that was a song. It's like you know, you need to write this song. And so I left. I left that, and all these. You know what? Well, I kept on being in the right place at the right time. And I feel like at that point, my Nana Peggy was above me and putting everything into a puzzle piece. And I didn't come over to Nashville last time to look for anything or to get a record deal or anything. I had no expectations. It was honestly to just come here experience it make some genuine friends and it's somehow I kept on making genuine friends with people that were very well connected um by my last week, I had um, some incredible publishing di- some incredible publishing meetings um and connected with some really great publishers who believe in me. And I played at the prestigious Bluebird Cafe a few days before I flew out. Um, So looking at all that, and you know what, the last, it's been 14 months since I was here last time, or 15 now. But so throughout that process, you know, I, my whole visa thing, my application, it wasn't hard. You know, it was like the first time in my life that it was just, it was easy it was just the money you know what i mean i just yeah. had to save um and for so long particularly with my music it's felt like i've been pushing this boulder up a hill for so many years and the moment that i stopped to take a little break and get a breath it comes rolling back down a little bit and i've got to push it up again whereas the whole process of being here in nashville has never been a challenge um apart from financial challenges but that's all just superficial. That's all just, you know what I mean? Like, that's, it's all easy. You can make it work. It just takes you longer. But, um, you know, um, I do feel like, and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't have sacrificed as much as I have to be here if I didn't really believe that I'm meant to be here. I feel like there's something bigger than me pushing me to be here. Um, and I remember driving across New South Wales to a run of shows and I got this message again about this song, as this song idea. And so I've got two songs that have come to me in a funny way that I know in my heart that they're the ones that are going to get me, you know, a publishing deal. Or they might be yeah. my first big part or they're like, I don't know what it is. And I and I said, and it was arrived to me. But I've had, you know what, well, I've had cool things like this. Um, my ex-fiance um, is now, you know, my he's still my family. Um, I actually feel like we're a brother and sister. We're solid connected like his we're soul deep connected um i remember traveling across new south wales and looking at the moon one night it was the 31st of october 2013 and i saw his father and his father said to me and that's his his father's birthday as well so he always would visit me on that day i'll look up at the moon and I said to I messaged Michael and I said, and I'm a skeptic too, so everything I say I don't believe it, right? So then, the, then upstairs has to prove me wrong.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I said to Michael, I said, "Oh, your dad just visited me. He told me he's proud of you." Anyway, the next day I get a message from him saying, "Thank you, that's really nice." And I said, "Look, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe this sort of stuff, but that's what he said." And as I sent it, I sent him another message and I said. What's wrong with your What's wrong with your rib? I've got this really sharp pain in my rib. I feel like it's you. It's not me. And he said, Yeah, I actually fractured my rib last night. I fell over and fractured my rib. So that would be the confirmation that yes. Yes. that was right. Anyway, so the next day, he um, was dating. He had a girlfriend at the time, and they've actually since married. Um, and she's my little hummingbird. I love her. She's one of my best friends. Um, but they went to a psychic on the Central Coast. And the psychic said to them, that day when I said, your dad's proud of you, um, mm. and said, you're actually with child. And so the next day they went to the doctors and got it all confirmed. And so Les, his father, was actually telling them that he's proud yeah. of them, for falling pregnant. And then just before little Miller was born, I was driving home again. I look up at the moon, I was at the full moon. And I saw him. I saw Miller, um, who is my—he uh, calls me Auntie Keena—and um, he said to me that I—I I knew the date he was going to come. I knew—I knew he was—I knew—I knew so much about him already. I met him before he came to this earth, uh, you know. So it's just funny how things work. But yeah, that's my spiritual journey to where I am at at this present moment. I know it was a long-winded story. Sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, no problem. It's that's something that. Um especially like a country artist doesn't often get a chance to share this kind of information. So, um, and which is part of what I want to do. So, but I heard huge amounts of faith in there, you know, that's, I heard that and I heard, you know, your journaling tool, which is one of my tools. I just love journaling. So what is your connection to spirit? I call it spirit. People call it the universe, you know, your soul self, whatever you want to call it. I call it spirit. What does your connection to spirit do for you on an everyday basis and with your songwriting and your creativity? What does it do for you?
1: So for me, I feel like this is, look, I have no scientific fact on this, yep. but um, for me, I f- actually, hang on, I'm just getting caught. Can I just quickly, hang on, sorry about this. Yep. Um... Sorry, darling. Oops. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. sorry about that. I was—I've been waiting for that call all day, and I thought, oh, that—that's bloody right. Yes, yeah. Whenever. Anyway. Um. So. For me, I believe, and I have no scientific proof on any of this. This is just what I learned from journaling, yeah. um, is that, or just messages that have come through. I actually feel like, and I did a little little research on it, but so apparently creativity and spirituality are in the front lobes of your brain, mm-hmm. and they actually overlap apparently. And so, I actually do believe that a connection to spirituality, um, an easy way to connect. Is through creativity, or vice versa. So, um, and I think that's probably why I'm so passionate about it, and that's why I'm so in tune with it. Um, because as I've grown my own creative strength and my own creative abilities, um, things like things like inspiration or ideas, I don't believe that they're just ideas. I believe they're given to you from above. Um, and it's there's just something. And the more I hone my craft, the more I hone my my skill set as an artist and as a writer and as a photographer, as a drawer, or lots of things that I do, or a writer. Um, I feel like I'm actually more connected to the spirit anyway. Um, I do believe that I do believe that um, you know, and as hard as it is at times when it's really hard, when emotionally things are tough, I do believe. I really believe that we are always exactly where we're meant to be and the moment that you can surrender to that is the moment that you start feeling guided and you have to stop and listen. You have to stop and listen to your... Forget about it, your ego and just actually surrender to just listening and saying, okay, this is where you want me to go. All right, let's do this. I'm trusting you and it's just taking that leap of faith and it is faith. It's like you have to actually go, you know what? I trust you on this. Let's leap. And Can you catch me, please? You know what I mean? And there's been times where I think particularly when I had depression, I look at my life and I was so untrue to myself, you know. At that time, I, I would go out and I would drink. Not, not, I was never a big partier as a kid growing up, but I had this one time where I would go out and party and drink and have a really great time because I was so broken, you know. Yeah. I just needed some distractions. I moved back to my hometown. I started dating a boy that was a crane operator. um, And that I said to him one day, I said, I had this dream. And this dream is like water. Like I had three three times and this water was just that waves were crashing at my feet. But they didn't get me. But there were big waves. I was just watching it happen. The second time, there was a tsunami and I was in a building and I was safe. But the tsunami had gone around like this big flood had happened and then the third time i got washed away with all the water and i thought well that's emotions being washed away with your emotions and that was just when i had the the reached my point of breaking down completely and reaching yeah. my lowest my lowest level and i went to my partner at the time and i told him about the dream and he said i said what do you think it means and he said i think a dream's a dream And when he said that to me, I thought, you know, and this is when I started to connect with my own soul again because I I was so disconnected from who I am for so long that um, I realized, I thought, you're so disconnected from my belief system, from all that sort of stuff. And I realized that I do believe if you can actually be self, I think self-awareness is the greatest gift to connecting so self-awareness and creativity is the greatest gift to connect to the spirit because um, I feel like if you're being true to yourself 100%, without a doubt, without influence, um, you'll be guided and it's all going to be okay. It's when you're not true to yourself that's when you need to worry because you're not believing in this.
0: Oh, so, so very true. And even when we, even when we're the more... I think being true to yourself is like, you know, you know, the opening of the flower, you know? Yes. You know, because it's it's the more you just have to start doing that and the more that you do that, it just grows. You know? Yeah. It, it just even more so when until you then find yourself aligned with what I call your soul plan, your destiny, the, your purpose for being here, you know? So um yes. so there's a lot of consciousness that you walk with, Katrina. So when it comes to, you know, living the dream and, um, you know, manifesting your dreams, and right now you're in a challenging but exciting place with that, what would you say is the biggest challenges? And just bear in mind that this, I'm asking this question from, from a perspective of, you know, other people that are wanting to do the same, take the same sort of leap of faith. You know what would be your biggest challenge when it comes to consciously manifesting your dreams?
1: Um, I don't know. I find it really, I find it hard to answer that question because I think for me, I'm so in tune with where I'm being guided now that it's like I don't really have a choice. You yeah. know, I was just talking to i am so in, in love with someone in Australia. And if I got on the plane and went back home, I, I, we could make it work. But it's, it's not like that. It's like I need to be here, and it's bigger. It's bigger than me. And it's like it comes to a point where, you know, I think the the greatest challenge, I, I, this is this is it. This is the greatest challenge about following your own own path and your own conscious self consciousness um, is the sacrifices that you make when doing it because there's been so many times where I've been so broken and so, you know, I think self-awareness isn't an easy thing. It's really hard to sit there. I remember, you know, there was a time where um, to sit there and, you know, without receiving validation or anything like that from anyone, you know, I I sat and I used to sit in silence to the point where, you get past the, the point of stillness and loneliness and all that where it doesn't become uncomfortable anymore. I think it's like the biggest challenge is to push past those uncomfortable situations and extend your boundaries so that it's not uncomfortable to be. And I'm still, I mean, I'm so homesick today, but it's like I know that I need to sit in this feeling and feel it because, um, because right now, I know I'll push past it, and this my comfort zone will only extend. And so I think when you can face those fears and those discomforts and find a place where they just become reality and the normal and not uncomfortable at all, um, you know. But I think too, I've worked with this before. It's very you have to be very disciplined to sit down. It's 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 a conscious you you have to be really conscious about it. Um, and you know, at this point in time. My headspace is very far from spirituality. Um, at this point I'm just very grounded focusing on making money and making a living and surviving before I can really give myself but I'm gonna go back to yoga this week because that always ground that always connects me but um, you know I, that that would be my greatest challenge is that um, pushing through that uncomfortable feeling because when you can get to the other side and you realize it's okay. And there's nothing to be worried about. And why do you worry about it? Um, I feel like that's when you really grow. And I feel like our purpose here on earth is to grow. So, you know, it's all about evolution.
0: And the the soul does, it has a natural way of just always pushing you to the uncomfortable because that is how you grow. And one of my mantras is just get comfortable with being uncomfortable because it's, Right. It's you know yeah. it's it's what it is, isn't it? And and just with you when you're sitting in the emotion, it doesn't matter what what it is, whether it's joy, whether it's um, you know being uncomfortable, whether it's homesickness, for someone like you you just never know where that spark of creativity is going to tap into that and a song could come out of it. You know, it there's always a gift in, in those moments just as much as there is a gift in experiencing joy and you know having your dreams come true isn't there?
1: absolutely and I think too with the whole with joy like or happiness and all that kind of stuff like you can sit there and wish for happiness and you know what I don't just wish for happiness and that sounds really weird but I don't because the thing is is that as the years go older get as the years go by and we get older and my girlfriend said she's turning 30 this week and she said, oh, oh, 31, I think. And she goes, oh, my gosh, I'm turning 31 this week. I'm getting so old. And I said, maybe she's turning 33. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, we just said, we were talking about it and I said, you know what, I'm so glad I'm getting older. I love learning. I love growing. I love being, you know, like if, if we all just experienced happiness all the time, we wouldn't really grow anyway. So I think because we only never grow in the hard times, really. You know what I mean? The happy times are when we actually look back at all the growth and go, man, I'm so proud of myself for doing that. But, uh, you know, I think that it's like anything. It's the yin and the yang. It's the balance, the ebb and flow. You know, you just got to go through the motions of life and the seasons that they bring and just surrendering yourself because it's like a pendulum, I believe, that here's sadness. And if you can, like, really push it up high how sad it is, like it's really sad up there and it's going to swing all the way back around and be just as happy but on the other scale. So I think it's like experience as much hurt, experience as much pain and sorrow and all that stuff because it's going to come back in good.
0: Yeah, and the key is to do it with awareness because otherwise you can get stuck and you don't, you know, it's, that's the real key, isn't it? So yeah, so, so how, does, um, how does joy, being that, you know, you're on the podcast for the Joygasm Effect, how does joy um flow into your life how how does that flow into your life
1: you know what i am so blessed that i wake up every day and do what i love for a living there's days when i of like oh i have to do another gig i don't feel like a gig um but for me my greatest my greatest passion is connecting with people and i go to shows and particularly here in nashville um you know, I played shows in Australia for ten years, three to five gigs a week, and I just be a lot of the times I'd be playing to drunks in a bar watching the football that it's on the screen above me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. But here in Asheville, um, I feel so fulfilled. I leave people leave my shows, buy CDs. Excuse me. They buy CDs, and it's like I'm actually connecting with them, and I and it's it's almost like I find that people not everyone has the gift to be able to express themselves and express how they feel and for me i want to be able to give them that gift of to go this is how i am feeling and someone to sit there and go oh my gosh that's exactly how i'm feeling but i've never been able to say that you know so to connect with people is is my favorite thing and i find so much joy in that and i'm very i'm very kind of guarded like i openly talk about this kind of stuff but i can keep quite guarded in by doing it and so, um, you know, it's really hard when I, people find it such a hard, so hard to try and get into my life because I don't let a lot of people in. But um, and not because I don't want to have people in. It's just I just I get I'm so sensitive. I'm like I get you know they'd someone describe me as peanut brittle. So you bite into me, and I'm hard. and You got to get through this till I'm soft and gooey. You know. But for me, with creativity, it's the one way where I can vulnerably give myself to someone and say, here, let's be friends. You're not alone in this situation and let's do it together. So, um, and I think to a part of my, I've asked for this, you know, I've asked to experience stuff so I can help other people get through it. And that's, that's my purpose. So I've just got to go through the motions of it and, and. And as I said, that is my joy to connect with people. But in doing that, I have to feel what they go through. Absolutely. Together.
0: Yeah, you've got to have the experience yeah. to be able to voice it, and because that's the, the that's very similar in the work that I do. You know, to be. Oh, a- hang on, we're
1: going, we're going, we're going all crackly. Okay.
0: Oh yeah, I was just saying that's the um, very similar in experience with the work that I do to be able to. Do readings and work with people's soul and um, h- help them see things from a different perspective it's I've got to travel that that path first you know so um, so I hear you so how can um, people connect with you Katrina how where what's coming up for you you know how can people um, Go see a gig. You know, where can people find you to do that sort of stuff? You know, your website. How can people connect with you to hear your music?
1: Um, on my website, what I do is I actually, um, particularly my, I talk about my spiritual path and my blogs a lot. I don't go too deep into my spirituality, but I do, I'm quite open about it. Um, um, my, I blog once a month, uh, the first Monday of every month, and I've been doing it for 12 months. I used to do it once a week, so there's a lot more than just 12 there to read. Uh, It just talks about my journey and my life and how I've been guided to to be where I am. Um, You know, and um, my music's on my website, and I'm thinking I might release something soon. I'm not sure yet. I'm still sort of, I don't know. We'll see where I'm at. Uh, You never know what could happen in Nashville here. But um, I play every, almost every night at a place called The Row in Midtown in Nashville. If anyone is in, in heading to Nashville, um, head on down to The Row. I might be there. Um, and I just travel around everywhere and play, play wherever. Look, wherever they let me on the stage, I'll be funny. So um, I hope to come home uh, over Christmas next year, next summer. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back home already. But, yep. um, you know, definitely breathing in Nashville I'm here
0: very good that's very exciting so I have one last question for you and so you know thank you so much for um sharing some of your sacredness with us today and just being in the space and just sharing your stories um so just coming up how are you going to achieve a joygasm this week
1: Ah, uh, you know what? I think I do it every day, to be honest. Like, to be honest, I do that every day. I wake up every day and I do what I love. And I think I think by following your passion and living it and breathing it um, is the most joyful thing. No matter, even a day when it hurts me and breaks me, um, I do believe that it all happens the way it's meant to. And, um yeah, my orgasm is just by waking up and living and breathing music all over again.
0: Good answer, and uh, yes, thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Carrie. It was lovely. <clears throat>